Hey, welcome back to another episode of I Do Not Know Jack About Parenting, where today I have a special guest and he is a wordsmith. So let's get into the episode. So the big question is this, how are parents like us, who don't have a manual, who are doing the best we can, who feel as though we aren't enough, how are we going to raise healthy, happy children who we are proud of and still keep our sanity in that process? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ryan Roy, and welcome to I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, a podcast for parents who are being real with themselves. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today we are going to be talking to Bruce Pulver. He is a wordsmith. This is my coin term. He'll explain himself a little bit better. He is the author of a new book called Above the Chatter, Our Words Matter. Bruce, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on today. Ryan, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation and seeing where we can bring some value today. Yeah, fantastic. So I, I want to tell you guys a little story, uh, just a, a, a quick brief. When, when I got introduced to Bruce uh, through some mutual friends, uh, I, I asked him, you know, if he'd like to chat. And, and as, as a wordsmith, he, he, he likes to chat. <laughs> uh, I, I sent him to the podcast uh, and the episode just happened to be on how we use our words with our kids, and that resonated with him. Uh, and as a coach, as, as all of you know, by, by trade, I am a life coach. I always talk to people in that first session when I'm bringing on a, a new client. What I'm listening to is how people talk to themselves because it's so important. And, and as you guys know, uh, as, as listeners of the podcast, I always talk about how important it is for us to use words they're so strong you know that saying when i was a kid anyway and probably bruce when you were a kid sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me that is so false because words carry so much weight so uh, i'd like for you to just chime in and share a little bit about your book and why you do what you do and why you wrote it oh great well thank you thank you very much and i'm right in line with you about you know the words that we say out loud but but also equally the words we say to ourselves are so impactful to our mindset, uh, to what we believe, uh, to the actions we take, and then ultimately the outcomes we enjoy. So uh, for me, I'll, I'll go back to the very beginning. Um, I was raised in a family that had two very active, very engaged, and very involved parents. And uh, if I can share for a moment that story, uh, I will. Um, in the, the year that I was born, the day that I was born, uh, many years ago, um, when, the, when my mother went into labor with me, we were about 30 minutes from the hospital. And ultimately, what happened when she went into labor, on the way to the hospital, she had what's called a dissecting aortic aneurysm during labor, which basically means she had a major heart problem where if not treated immediately, uh, she would have bled internally to death, as would have I, and we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Wow. We were... Fortunately, in, uh, the New in the New England area in Connecticut, and the hospital we went to was affiliated with Yale, Med uh, Yale University Medical Center, and there were two surgeons that God had put there, my belief, who had just perfected aortic valve replacement. So they immediately called these two surgeons over 
the OBGYN delivered me, C-sectioned me, and then these surgeons went to work on my mother for the next 60 days. She endured four surgeries. All of them were experimental. She didn't see me until I was 60 days old, and uh, she made a full fight, full recovery, and lived an amazing 22 years. She lived until I was 22 and raised me. Prior to that, the longest survivor was 72 hours who had gone through that same similar medical situation. So from my mother's perspective and her influence on me, she adapted and adopted a, a life of gratitude, a life, life of love of life, and such a positive mindset that that was just how I was raised, which I only realized later in life was rather unique. My father on the other side was really the patient who had no medical issues, but he was the silent patient. He was the stressed person. He was the person who didn't know if his wife was going to make it or not, or if he was going to raise two sons. I have an older brother. And he also, though, was the word guy. So his influence on my love for words came from him. He was a poet. He wrote plays. He loved plays on words. He loved crossword puzzles. So that's the backstory of sort of how that upbringing came for me. The next step of that, though, which my true belief is Mark Twain's phrase and saying is there's two most important days in a person's life, the day they're born and the day they find out why. So for me, my why was after about 25 years in, in my profession, which is in the healthcare services business, uh, after closing a very, very large deal with a very, very large healthcare system in the country, my position where I was vice president of client development was eliminated. I was, I was laid off. Uh, a RIF, reduction in force, uh, workforce force reduction, whatever you want to call it. And that's where my mother's positivity and my father's love of words just, just came together. And I began writing the following morning these, these messages that are in the book, Above the Chatter, Our Words Matter, that continued for 400 consecutive mornings. So I'll stop there. And the, those words and the power of words immediately became important to me from day one. And then through that process of writing, I realized the impact they have on my life. Wow. What an incredible story and thank you for sharing that with the audience and 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 i want to come back to and and, and i've i've watched some of your stuff just so you know uh, bruce has been on a ted talk and and it was an incredible one so i encourage anybody to go and, and look that up on youtube um but gratitude and i know what you did you know for those 420 days uh and and you talked about your mother's gratitude and and i've probably talked about it on here i talk about it in coaching um I was listening to Tony Robbins a couple years ago. Uh, he was doing an interview. He was releasing a new book and he was being interviewed by Gary Vaynerchuk. And uh, Gary is a marketing guy. So he's helping to market the book and they took calls on this, a live call. And somebody came on and, and they asked a question about, Hey, I feel angry. I feel this. I feel that. And Tony Robbins went right into coaching. So when you said gratitude, it made me think of this story. He says, listen, be in a place of gratitude because it is impossible physically to be angry and in gratitude at the same time. Right. 
And that was just so powerful to me. So every time I think, you know, because we all have uh, frustration is another term. Oh, he's, I was actually, yeah, he said, I, I get frustrated. And, and Tony said, frustration is a nice way of saying angry. Mm-hmm. And if you're in gratitude, you can't be frustrated and you can't be angry. So focus positively on things. And, and, and he put them through a couple exercises. So I think it's so important for people. And I coach this. So I'd love to hear your take on gratitude or even, you know, what word you have for gratitude or. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So uh, great, great, great analogy and, and right on with Tony Robbins. I mean, absolutely. Being in both places, it's, it's, it's like you said, mentally impossible to do that. Um, so, so one of the things I wrote, and this comes to mind right away, um, is the word gifts, right? So we might be in a situation where we're frustrated. It might be work-related. It might be the current scenario we're in, right, where we're reinventing ourselves in some way, but it is. It's frustrating. It, 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 you know, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of emotions there. But so what I, if we can focus on something for which we should be grateful, and one of the things I truly believe is that everyone was born with unique gifts. And those gifts are our step, our pathway to contributing in this life and being grateful for our gifts. So to me, gifts I wrote, and as we'll talk a little bit about, I take a word, I write it vertically, and I use just the letters of the word to define its meaning for me. And then I teach that in my workshop and my keynote speech, my keynote talks. So to me, gifts, the, the letters of gifts, if you just look at it vertically, to me is God installed features to share. We focus and, and understand that we all have gifts and, and every one of them is valuable. That if we focus on being grateful for our gifts and then we find a way to serve others with them in some way, and it might be a small way to start. It might be how to hold a baseball. It might be um, the embouchure for a trumpet for a five-year-old who's starting. It could be writing. It could be anything, a craft. It could be vocal. It doesn't matter. If we're giving that to someone, that's a form of acting with our gift and showing gratitude for it. See, I love that. And I love how you talk about taking the word vertically and then giving it your definition, how you see it, and then how you, how you teach it in your workshops or uh, as we described off uh, word shops Right. Uh, so, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so as a dad, right. Of, of two adult children, two, two adult girls, um, uh, you have a little bit of practice in this thing we call parenting. And as, as the audience is parents, you know, what would you say to parents in the use of their, their words to their children for the for the audience for for i don't know jack about parenting because i don't know jack about words but i definitely know that they're important so that's yeah. why we have you on here and you know this gift of being a parent it, 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 there isn't there isn't a specific um manual they come with although to me it's the bible and to me it's it's studying the word and and the teaching so that i can do my best to be that person in action uh, that, that will influence and help them become the best that they can be. As That's my responsibility. So there's a couple of things. Number one is speaking like this. So there's a new event, a new challenge, a new school, 
a new setting for school, um, a new sport, a new, anything that your child is attending that is new or attempting that is new. Our family started with three words and it was, yes, I can. So if we can instill a yes, I can at a very early age in our children, it doesn't have to be early. It can be at any point in time, but the sooner you, there's no too late to start. So yes, I can allows you to approach any situation with a outcome that you believe you're going to achieve as opposed to, well, you've never done that before. What makes you think you can fill in the blank, right? It's the words. So if you can start with a yes, I can, and I try to make these, these conversations activational so that a parent can leave this talk and can go and put that in practice. So what does yes, I can mean to me as I wrote it in the book? Again, writing it vertically. Yes, I can means you expect success, Y-E-S, in challenging activities now. So if you say, yes, we can, yes, I can, we're going to do this, I can versus can I, those are ways to set the intention in the right direction. It creates a great attitude, a great relationship step, I believe, with the children. And then, you know, it's simple as, you know, the monkey bars, helping from one to the next to start, right? Or it could be hitting a baseball or a softball off a tee. It's going to be hard the first 10 or 15 times, but yes, I can means we are going to achieve this. It sets the goal. So then as children get older and they get into situations where they are more self-reliant and they're looking to self-serve themselves and they're looking to solve their own problems, they can reflect back on that early life activity and say, you know what, we've done a yes, I can all my life. I've never water skied before. Give me the rope. I'll do it. Or, or whatever that is, it puts them in the situation of growing outside of their limits and eliminating limits. Man, there is so much good in what you just said that resonates with me as a coach, uh, talking about goals, right? So when we say, yes, I can, we're setting an intention that we are capable of. Uh, something you've said multiple times in this that resonates with me is the action. What are we doing behind the words that we're, we're capable? Uh, how are we going to set this? And, and even on my podcast, at the end, whatever the lesson is, I'll often say, now, this is what I suggest you can do to take an action in this step, you know, at the end, because it doesn't help us to listen to this. It doesn't help to, you know, read the Bible if we don't apply these lessons into our everyday life. Podcasts are fantastic. Um, going to church on Sunday is fantastic, but the application of that in our life is so important. And I love how it's a positive message it's it's always moving forward because i think it made me think of an earlier podcast episode where the power of yet have you ever heard of the power of yet yeah and and i it was like a new concept to me i don't know why it was the first time i had heard it i was in uh, the counselor's office at my son's school uh, and she said ask me about the power of yet was a big sign and I said, so tell me about the power of yes. She says, when the kids come in, right, elementary school kids, and they're like, well, I'm not very good at math yet, right? It, 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 I don't know how to tie my shoes yet. You know, my teacher doesn't like me yet. <laughs> Give them a reason 
to see that there is a potential for something in the future. So just adding yet to these negative terms, right, right that, that, that the challenges that these children have in or play out in their own mind, when she put yet at the end of it, it made it be impossible in their mind possible. So right. So a couple things there, right? The word impossible. I'm just add an apostrophe after the M. I'm, I'm sorry, after the I and space it out. Impossible becomes I'm possible. So I love the yet. The other, if we think about this, so, so how, do we, how do we sort of think about our communication with our children or with a spouse or anyone, but we're focusing on, on the kids right now, right? So let's think about this. There's a little sort of visual that I call untie the knots, okay. but it's not K-N-O-T-S. It's N-O-T-S. I'm not this. You're not that. I, and the other is to kick. There was, a, there was a game that I remember my dad telling me about. He played when he was growing up in the streets. You would, you would get some Campbell's tomato soup. You'd, you know, you'd pour it out and cook it. Well, you would take what was left, right, the empty thing. And he would go out in the street, and they would kick it down the street. It would be like a soccer ball, but they would play this game called kick, kick the can. The right? I played it as a kid. So okay. I- <laughs> Let's just change that and say kick the can't. Mm. So untie the knots, meaning try to avoid words that have the N-O-T in them or the N apostrophe T. Don't, won't, shouldn't, can't, shan't. There's a, there's a list. You can go Google words that end in N apostrophe T and just think about that in your vocabulary with your kids. And let me just say this. It is hard. It's so easy to say don't do that or you're not that, or, you know, it's, it's, it's the natural tendency because sometimes it's easier to just say, let's move that and avoid that as opposed to deflecting into something that you prefer the behavior to be. Not easy, a switch in how we speak and how we communicate. So kick the can't and untie the knots. Well, what I love about that is it, it becomes an awareness, right? These tools that you're sharing with us that are also in the book, right? Above the chatter, our words matter, right? By Bruce Pulver. Go get your copy. Um, it, these tests, or if you will, or these, these thought processes will bring an awareness to how often you use can'ts or shouldn'ts or nots or no's. Uh, I actually have a chapter in my book, uh, chapter 13, where I say, um, I, I, I forget the, the title of the chapter, but it's, it's basically never say no. It's actually it, never say no. Mm-hmm. People say, how do you not say no to your kids? I say, give them options. Yeah. And the example I use in this, and I think you'll appreciate this, is that my, my son, it was a couple months before Christmas, and we were in a, a Target. He was in the toy section. And he says, Dad, can I have this toy? And my intention was we weren't buying it there. That's not why we were at the store to go and buy him a bunch of toys. So I said, absolutely, you could have that toy. These are the two ways you could get it. One, you could put it on your Christmas list for, for, for Santa as we're about to compile that as it was around October and he was getting excited for the holidays. Or if it's really important, you remind dad in two weeks and we'll come back and do it. Knowing that at age five, he's probably not going to remember it that and it's not going to be important enough to make that christmas list as we have a limited list because santa only brings so much (laughs) so guess what i never said no to him 
I gave him two options. And if he had reminded me, if it was that important, I would have gone and gotten it. And if it was that important to him and we didn't go and get it, it would have made the Christmas list. Neither of which happened. And I never had to say no to my child. Yeah. Well, you know, you had talked about sticks and stones. When we say no, no, and and trust me, this is not a discipline. Yes, no. This is a not or can't or shouldn't or aren't good enough or those kinds of things. Those stick so deeply in our child's psyche that they start believing it. Mm-hmm. Even if it was an unintentional comment, right? So from, from that perspective, I think it's really important to how, how we get to the outcome of we're not going to do that now. And I think the way you did that is, is phenomenal. Yeah, and you know, as you say that, when I do say no, because it's impossible to never say no to our children, right? Oftentimes, uh, you know, son will come to me last night he, he said, hey, dad, can I download this certain thing on my computer? Uh, and I, I said, well, let me review it and we'll look at it. Remind me this evening after dinner and we'll take a look at it. Um, I didn't say no to him. Right. It's 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 a not now, but it's later. Yeah. But oftentimes when I have to say no, I always or I always try to follow it with this. I'm saying no to this now. However, I want you to keep asking because you don't know when I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Keep asking. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to shut you down. I'm not trying to prevent you from asking because I think as adults, so many people, there's a book out there called ask because people were asking as a child so many times and got told no so many times that they stopped asking in fear that they would be rejected. Right. And they don't want to reject their children. Through words. So here's another kind of thought along those lines that hopefully fits in here that folks can use as well. So sometimes you hit a wall and it's, it's not possible to do. And, and that might be in parenting, but also say in the professional life. So the dads that are out here that, you know, maybe in sales or may, you know, be looking to promote a, an internal product development project, whatever their you know, career is. And they get faced with something where either the resources aren't available, um, you know, the timing's not right, the price isn't right on the, on, the, on the proposal. One of my favorite ways to approach that situation is saying this, here's what I can do. So you're, you're looking at a situation instead of going straight at the walls and saying, there's no way we can do this, step back and say, you know, might not be able to match the price, might not be able to deliver it in that delivery time. The quantity might be, you know, just thinking through the problem solving, going to an alternative to say, you know, we've had a relationship for a long time, or we're wanting to start business with you or whatever that is and say, but here's what I can do. So how does that apply when your kids see you having that scenario with them, but also maybe in an adult to an adult situation where your seven-year-old is standing right next to you and you're trying to solve something around a challenge they can absorb the, hey, we found a way to get there mm-hmm. that wasn't the obvious one that, that went this way to begin with. So that's also teaching children compromise, negotiation, working through a problem that you know, can be done without a, you know, an emotional way, can be done without any type of heightened you know, anger or, or hostility. So just another thought there about, but here's what I can do. Yeah, and... and, and it- as you say that, and I was thinking this earlier when you were speaking, when people are always saying, I can't do this, or we shouldn't do that, or, or, or those objections are coming. Uh, and like, 
it's verbiage, right? These kids pick these things up at school. So I know my son comes with a, well, I can't do this or I don't like this or, or I always, and I love that you say it because I said, well, well, let's stop about all the things we can't do because that's really easy to talk about the 500 things we're unable to do. What can we do in this moment? Right. You know, right. what, what can we do in this moment? What are we capable of doing to progress forward? And I know it drives him crazy, but he always has an answer. And I said, yeah. well, then let's do that. Let's get started. Right. Because uh, again, you know, one of the things I, I want, another one of the chapters is, is um, real simple lessons. You know, my, my book is, is, you know, kids will uh, not say no, but I'm just trying to think of this scenario is, you know, kids will say, don't tell kids what not to do. Tell them what to do is the chapter. Mm-hmm. And the example is kids are walking in the home, right? Or they're running in the house. As, as I say that, I hear stomping of feet above me while we're recording, right? As I, my little ones are upstairs and, and I know they're running, which is awesome. I love that sound. It's one of the joys of working from home. But when you tell a kid, don't run in the house, what can a kid do? They get creative, right? They're having, they're running. So they may stomp as I just heard. They may sit there and crawl, but like pounce their knees on the wood floors. Uh, they may roll. They, they could do a thousand things. But when you're really clear and you tell them what to do, you know, the house, inside the home, we should be walking. Can we just walk in the house? And you're very clear. You give them that one thing to do. It's real easy to tell kids what not to do, but then they could come up with a lot of scenarios. The idea is to tell them what to do and give them clear direction with words. Very much, very much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, focus, right? Structure, you know, all of those other things. I mean, we, we, could, we could go into so many different directions, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think the communication, right? It's the words we use. It's, it's, uh, it's how we do that. And uh, you know, there's another thing too that I think, and we can chat about this because we did before we went on, on the air is, you know, I have two daughters and you have sons. So a father's in, um, impact and influence on a daughter's life um, just by having friends with, de- with, de- with sons only is different than, than uh, you know, a dad to dad, dad to son relationship. It's a couple things that my wife and I have talked about since the very beginning and really tried to do this. And I'm sure we'll get some pushback on it, but it's the way that we've tried to approach this as a family. And that is that we truly believe that, that daughters uh, do get and develop self-confidence uh, through much through their fathers, uh, and that's just been our, our world. So, so a couple of things from a self-confidence perspective and how do we, how do we help build that at a young age is, is, is helping our children make some promises to themselves, small ones, make my bed every morning, um, you know, make sure my books are ready for class the next day, make sure my assignments are done the evening before, make those promises to themselves and keeping those little self-promises to themselves is, is what we have found helps build their own self-confidence and their ability to be comfortable in settings where they're going to find different influences coming into their world. And I believe that's something that we can help our children with as well. And it doesn't mean it's a task or something that, you know, is a chore, but it's something that may be a goal for them. Like you said, you wanted your son to either put that on the list or maybe, maybe I thought you were going to say if you take the trash out enough times and, you know, you kind of have that, that in, uh, incentive based, uh, but keep making and keeping small promises to yourself gives you an incremental buildup of self-confidence, which is critical in my experience for having a 23 and a 19, actually a 20 year old tomorrow uh, and a 23 year old uh, in just 
kind of self-advocating and believing in themselves as they take on new challenges. Yeah, and, and, and I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said there. And, and, and there may be pushback, and maybe that's your experience and not necessarily mine with the, you know, a father's role is very important in the self-confidence of his daughters. Absolutely. I think it's the first man they ever love, right? Mm-hmm. And they learn to receive uh, love from a male figure from that of their father. So I agree wholeheartedly there. And, and I love what you said about these small wins or small promises or mini goals. I would call them in my coaching practice, these mini goals, because when you have a lot of mini goals, right. Or, or mini promises to self that you fulfill, it builds confidence. Yeah. Right. And, and, and small goals turn into big goals, right? If you, you learn to save a dollar a day, every day, right? At the end of the year, you're going to have $365 and all those mini goals turn into this bigger goal. And we could, you know, translate that into any area of our lives. If we communicate openly to our friends, family, spouse, kids every day, it builds a strong relationship. If we show up and drink water every single day and and put in 30 minutes of exercise, we're going to be healthier at the end of that year. So I love these small promises. That's, that's a really great takeaway. Bruce, I know you and I could probably talk about this stuff back and forth all day long. It's I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here, but you did talk about these word shops that you do. And I would love for you to talk to the audience about um, that. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. So one of the things that, um, that companies and organizations are, are hiring me to do and bring me in is, is to sit down with them and go through a process by which we really pay attention to the words we use. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to drive improved outcomes, whether it's outcomes in better communication, whether it's outcomes in sales goals, whether it's in outcomes in teamwork, whether it's outcomes in developing a corporate culture. But this also applies, you know, to, to you know, civic organizations and, and organizations helping others. I, I'll come in and we'll, we'll do a conversation just like we're having here about the importance and the power of your words. I mean, can I versus I can or just perspective that words have and how we hear them from others and how we believe we're, we're communicating them and how we think they're being received. It's really important to pay attention to that. And the goal there is then to drive better results and give the teams and individuals activational skills. So that's something that's, uh, that's really keeping me busy. And, you know, I'm, uh, especially in this virtual world where, you know, a lot of teams are dispersed. Uh, you know, you may have 300 people in an organization that was in a call center and they were all coming in and having the meetings and, you know, the standups and, and now they're not able to do that. So um, companies that are looking for how do I manage that? How do I maybe put a new process or a new practice in place to, Stay connected. Um, I'm doing a lot of workshops, Zoom, a couple workshops, uh, Zoom in person when we can. So um, it's all about this whole the power of our words, the power of our communication, drive our outcomes because they drive our mindset. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I love that you're doing that. It's so important for organizations to, uh, you know, have some consistency in that area. And and for the individuals, I love that you do it for companies, and companies are hiring you to do that because I think a lot of times people don't realize how their words, how powerful they are in a positive and negative way. And if you could shift it into that positive for the organization, for the client, right? For the end user of their product, service, whatever that may be, I think it's so important to have a a culture of using words in a powerful way. How would someone reach out to you for your services? How could they get in contact with you? Well, thank you. So so my website is the name of my book. So above the chatter, ourwordsmatter.com. 
Uh, the book can be acquired there. You can download a couple of free chapters to kind of get a sense. And then there's a contact me page. And a lot of these are, are very specialized. So the best thing to do is to reach out to me through an email We'll, we'll go through the website. We go back and forth on exactly what you're looking for. And uh, then we arrive at a program that fits your needs. That is so fantastic. Bruce, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I always say it. I don't know Jack about parenting, but every time I do an interview, every time I do a little self-reflection, I know I get a little bit closer to figuring this thing out. So we appreciate having you on today. I'm excited about the book. Go and get your copy of the book. It is fantastic. And, uh, We'll see you guys in the next episode. Do you want to be the dad you wish you had? If so, go get my free book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, at bethedadyouwishyouhad.com. Inside, you'll find my most effective 40 tips to quickly and easily transform yourself into the ideal dad. Go to bethedadyouwishyouhad.com now and get it while it's free.